Judith Brown. <laughs> In the flesh. What's going down? Yeah. All right. So, I kind of wanted to talk to you today um, because you're a person that's older. Mm-hmm. You calling me old? Is that what you're doing? That's yeah. okay. It's fine. I am. And uh, in a place that someday I would want to be at. Still not only kicking it, but cranking it seriously hard um, in seriously cool ways. Um, so I just want to kind of, I don't know, just talk. Just hang out. Hang out on this couch next to this jukebox. So do I get to do I get to you want to hear my life story? Do you want to talk about wild um, esoteric things? So last time we had a conversation, we talked about excellence, excellence, and achieving excellence. And so I think it's one thing that when I like try and start something or like I'm getting good at something mm-hmm. or want to do something. Like, it's got to be excellent. But I'm not, like, good at it yet. So it's just like, oh, keep going. But then when I get good at it and get a taste of excellence, Mm -hmm. then it's like, I don't know. So I think the thing that you call excellence is something that I would call mastery. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly, yes. Yeah. So you may master something to the best of your ability Mm -hmm. uh, and still not produce something that's considered excellent in some objective way yeah uh and i think that part of what what i i'm going to start with here is is the notion that because i have a lot of i have a lot of time teaching mm-hmm. um not in the public schools um more in the community and the, the the thing that that you have to understand is that in order to achieve that sense of mastery, that that almost you know um, intuitive uh, ability to whether it's you know skateboarding or framing a shot or whatever whatever it is you're doing you know frying an egg, uh, it it has to integrate in into your your mind in a particular way and it has to have enough time and enough exposure. Um, in the right ways to make that mastery happen. Now that's where a lot of people to start with the, you know, got to do something 10,000 times before you're really good at it. And repetition is definitely part of it, Mm -hmm. but the other parts of it uh, and the parts that people don't talk about much are the contemplative side of it. Mm -hmm. As you encounter any kind of experience or skill, it changes the way you think. You know, you're never going to be the person, again, who never tried it. Mm-hmm. And as you go through the process of doing this over and over again, you discover things about that experience in and of itself that relate to the experience. Like, oh, if I hold my hand this way, very technical things. Mm-hmm. But it also actually changes the way your brain works. Mm-hmm. And that process needs time. That needs to be encouraged and and fostered and when that flourishes that change in perception it changes you you acquire not just an ability or mastery of a set of skills but you change how your brain actually works mm-hmm. how you see the world yeah and 
what happens very often with people is I wanted to do this thing and they achieve it and then they're dissatisfied. Yeah. Why are they dissatisfied? So that's kind of what I was. Yeah, yeah it's because they, they, their brain has been changed. Their whole perception, the zeitgeist of their life has been changed by the experience of achieving mastery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy because in the process of mastery, you like ruin a process yeah. and you create another one. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. it's like, and it's like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like uh, you, if you want to like, it's, it's a, it's definitely a. So, so that experience, it's an interesting road. (laughs) You know, if it's boring, you know, don't, don't put me on that road. Cause I'm going to just, well, Well, here's how I relate to skating. uh, And it's so funny because now I've gotten to such a high level where I, and I always, I started skating, right. And it was going to be like so fun and I was going to get good. uh And and then I was going to have a lot of friends and Uh then yes, that happened, but I have too many people that want to talk to me one sometimes when I want to just skate. And then second, when I just like want to rip so hard, sometimes mm-hmm. people are intimidated by it and they don't want to skate with me. And then I'm like, wait, the whole point of getting good was I want to like skate with everybody, like be, and then it's just like sometimes feels so counterintuitive and you have to take on this other like weird role. Well, it's only weird because you didn't expect it to happen. Yeah. You know, it is, it is the natural evolution of a master. You you have needs that a novice doesn't have. Just doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's interesting. And and the desires you had as a novice are long since will go fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. But now now as you've achieved mastery, your role in the community, your needs as a as a practitioner, um, your ability to interact with people and their need to interact with you, all of it changes. Yeah. And it's like, there's the oh shit moment of... I'm not saying I'm a master skater. Calm down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be... <laughs> no, it's okay. It's... It's a... But but even if you're not a master skater, you're yeah. not sitting in the ashram, you know, with your ohm going. Uh, it, it, it's it's The point is that you are no longer the novice. You are barely the journeyman anymore. And the mastery that... that in, in art, okay... The apprentice program or the apprentice uh, uh, process that that was still is uh, a part of most artistic endeavors is that you enter as an apprentice, you follow along, you pay your dues, you you sweep the floor, you do all that sort of stuff and you observe. And then as you become skilled in the craft, you become a journeyman. Mastery is not the end. It's actually a new beginning. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Talk to him about that because, man, that was rough. No, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. In the martial arts, you know, the black belt is considered your your gateway to actually learning the art. Hmm. So, yeah, the part that they don't tell you when you're a little pisser, you know, just getting started is this is way harder and way longer and will change you in ways you had no idea about. By the time you get to the end of the line, standing in the training hall, you're just getting started again. You're a white belt again. Yeah, and it's just cyclical. Mm. <laughs> but in order to become well, yeah. the person you, 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 to fully develop the person that is inherent in you, these cycles 
are yeah. are absolutely necessary, and they're progressive cycles. They're not. Yeah. I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it you, feels like it though sometimes. Does <laughs> does feel familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. You get to the it's point like, where oh, you Jesus go, Christ. "Have I been here again?" Ah, yeah. oh, jeez. Hey, here we go again. But <laughs> it is the sooner you adapt to the notion that here I go again. Yeah. Is actually a new rising. Great. If you think you're never going to see this area, this this part of life again, think twice. Yeah. Um. Or or maybe just you know go take a nap somewhere because you need to just chill. But that cyclical rise is <laughs> is part of the human experience. Yeah. So mastery is a beginning. Yeah. So what have you tried to master? What were the things that in that you <laughs> so you were in uh, you were in college trying to get really really good at stuff. So, what were you trying to get good at? Interestingly, for me, um, uh, it was scene painting. Um, scene I, painting. Yeah, I started oh, okay. out. I started out as an actor. Uh, I took my first acting class. I think it was eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, thereabouts, you know, a little kid just doing whatever, whatever, because I thought acting was cool. Yeah. Um, and there too, every time you get to a new level, you have to start again, and all of that. And I got to a point where I, I found, I actually. This is one of those things that happens and you go, this this didn't really happen. No, it really did. Um, I was in the middle of an audition uh, and it hit me that I didn't want to continue with this. Mm-hmm. I was at Virginia Commonwealth University uh, and I had been, I'd been there, I'd been to SUNY Purchase for a couple of years, took a couple of years um, painting scenery in, in uh, the hills of Virginia. Uh, came back to Virginia Commonwealth, and there was just something in me that turned off. I wanted nothing to do with acting hmm. uh, ever again. Uh, in the middle of an audition, it's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I opened my mouth, I got halfway oh my through God. my piece, I went, oh, shit, and walked out. Yeah. It's like, thank you, and left. And they all looked at me like, what happened to her? And it's like, no, no. They, <laughs> really? Oh, no, seriously. The, yeah, the funny. epiphany went off, and That's uh, funny. <laughs> oh yeah. But I had been painting. Um, I had been painting sets for two or three years at that point, um, and and I was <clears throat> primarily self-taught because mm-hmm. I went to, uh, you know, I left school, um, which was a story in and of itself. Oof, uh, I get that. <laughs> I bet you you do. Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, and, and I went, I lived in New York for a while, uh, worked in a little off, off Broadway house uh-huh. and got a day job. Nice. Uh, and, uh, then they had the League of Resident Theaters was auditioning and I, uh, was looking for techies mm-hmm. and, uh, one particular one in Virginia wanted an apprentice. Well, that meant that they could exploit your labor and pay you nothing. <laughs> But I was, you know, 20, 21 years old and I went and did it. Uh, and I learned to mix pigment from from ground mineral. Huh. Right? Yeah. Which is almost unheard of. Yeah. Um, of course, the binder is horse glue. So mm-hmm. that was rough. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, 110 yeah. degrees in the shop and you mix a gallon, you know, a, a 20 gallon garbage can of horse glue by Thursday. That sucker's ripe. <laughs> but I learned to literally feel feel pigment and know what I was getting in terms of like coverage and hmm. uh, 
you know, how much, how, how many layers I could put all over something. So, Damn. Yeah. You really went at this hardcore. That's interesting. That's so funny. Because, like, I feel like there's a different level of sometimes effort that people put into learning something new. And, like, you yeah. get out what you put in. So, like, I assume you got a lot out of art and a lot out of painting. Totally. But, like, it's because you went full blast like how many people when they start painting get apprenticeships like you know and are mixing horse pigment <laughs> or whatever and you know what's really funny Rock, about that mineral was... pigment and horse glue yeah yeah it was mineral pigment we actually went down this is this you'll think this is funny you've heard of earth colors earth uh -huh, tones yeah yeah we ran out of them so a couple uh, earth tones we yeah i go <laughs> we literally went down to the creek uh-huh and dug up mud. There's a stink you never want to smell in your entire <laughs> life. Um, and and dried it and ground it uh -huh. uh, and sieved it and used it to paint. Uh, but I didn't go looking for that. And I think that's a, a, a an interesting side of this because these things found me. Mm -hmm. mm. If I had if I had talked to you five years prior and given you you know. You know how people always say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think up? that's how you know you're on the right path, though. Is that when you're, like, mixing the horse pigment, and yeah. you're like, what am I doing here? You're like, what? I guess I really like this. Like, oh, no. Or it's you're not even thinking that. You're there's just not like, even times you yeah, like it. Not, Sometimes it's like, oh, God. It's not even like or dislike. It's almost just like sometimes by the end of it, you're like, what was that? Like, right? You know, and then what? it's just like, I guess this is what I, you know, this is what I'm doing. Well, but I think that determinism of, of, you know, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to go hardcore. Yeah. I had none of that to begin with. By the time... It's so funny because then sometimes you always assume that's how you should start things sometimes as like, as a person that wants to be a master, as a person that wants to be high level. And sometimes the the opportunities presented to you mm -hmm. um, have nothing to do with that path. Or nothing to do with your perceived perceived path. Yeah. I needed a job that got me out of Manhattan. I was working for a toy company. Again, something is a long story. Uh, and and I, I needed to get back into to theater. So this was an opportunity for me to get the hell out of Manhattan. Yeah. You know, uh, and it got me out into hmm. southwest Virginia, 15 miles from God and the Tennessee border. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had no clue what was going to happen. Yeah. And so let me let me dial this back to Okay. Um I am a person with ADD. Oh yeah. For sure, right? Does that show you? What are there? Uh, but <laughs> in my in my I didn't discover that first of all they didn't diagnose this when I was a kid. Uh -huh. They just didn't. You were yeah, a bad no. person. You had to pay better attention. You know, mm -hmm. you get whipped for not doing your homework because you were distracted by whatever, whatever. Um, I didn't even hear the term um, executive function disorder until I was nearly 60. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my uh, family member who used it to talk about another family member and, you know, the light bulb when I started reading as much as I could, it's like, that's what this is? I can't hold a job. I don't know what the hell I'm doing on any given time. But I also develop hyper focus. Yeah. And that hyper focus. That's interesting. It's like hyper unfocus and then hyper <laughs> funnel focus. Sometimes. Yeah. And it's just like 
sometimes I feel like the challenge of my life is being like a cool, like I want to be a cool seven, man. Like, yeah. How do you do? Who is that? A cool seven. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Like, who? But I know people like that. But I'm just like, you know, with stuff. It's either like all over a million things or like pinpoint focus Mm -hmm. for hours. You know. Sure. And and in a lot of ways, working with what you've got is I think the key to any sort yeah. of mastery. Yeah. Cause you're probably not going to do Bach, right? On the violin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it takes so much intense focus for so long. But if you happen to love Bach and you have ADHD or you have that executive function disorder, you might just like skip meals and, and master the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um it's executive function disorder. It's it's the family of of uh, it's a family of conditions that ADHD or ADD is part of. Mm-hmm. So that whole business of, and you should definitely look that up. It's it's totally it it makes it when people say ADD or ADHD, um, I don't get the hyper part of this. I tend to be more depressive, withdrawn anxious all that sort of stuff yeah it's more anxious i think i didn't know what anxiety was until i was 45 what the hell man yeah (laughs) somebody want to give me a book and explain this no okay fine uh it just seems like bullshit until you actually know what it is too or it seems like a moral failing yeah no and it seems like a failure yeah it seems like you're a failure so you figured something's just wrong you know figure it out Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and the, the, the reality is is your brain is wired differently than a neuronormative person. I'm doing quotey fingers. I don't know if it's going to show anywhere. But a neuronormative person has, yes, they may feel anxiety, but it's rooted in something. They may be depressed, but there's it's causal. You know, they may understand uh, uh, being feeling scattered, but usually they can do something to pull themselves back out of it, mm-hmm. you know. All of those little planners they give you. And, yeah. Oh, this is the solution. No, it's not. No. I was actually never diagnosed. I never, like, even now, never, like, tried to go and get a diagnosis or even pinpoint anything down. But I just figure I'm working with what I got at this point. Absolutely. And like, what, seems, what, is, what is the choice you have, right? And that seems like the best thing to be doing. And, like, my favorite thing with Ram Dass is he's, do you know who Ram Dass yes, is? Yes, I do. Perfect. He's, uh, he said, I haven't gained or lost any of my neuroses. I'm the same person. I've just figured out how to deal with how myself. How to deal with them. <laughs> exactly. So when you come to, to when you come down to mastery, uh, I, I think the mastery that really is the most important one is mastering yourself. Mm-hmm. It is not permanent by any means. Yeah. Because that cyclical evolution <laughs> Takes place as you understand yourself as well. Yeah. So and it's things seems like the things that you do are just a product of mastering yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how much can you get out of your own way and how much can you just do what you're doing? And what motivates you? Yeah. You know, it's like there are people who are definitely... Genuinely knowing yourself. Going for what you want. There are motivating. people who are definitely motivated by manipulating other people. Yeah, I used to be like that. Mm. Well, it's not like manipulating other people, but you just figure out like one way of getting what you want. And it's like, okay, then they tell you, what do you like, 
they tell you the things you should want, like money uh. and like a big house. And then so you're like, okay, well, if I can't get them from like, you know, holding a job, mm-hmm. then I can try and get them these other ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that there's there, there's something to be said about, uh, yes, you know yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know that you you share some values with the overall society, and you don't share other values. the 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 ability to to relate to the values that other people have is absolutely clutch. Yeah. But you don't have to possess. You know, you don't have to be possessed of those values. You want to make money? Hey, fantastic. There's a bajillion ways to yeah. make money. You know? And it seems like to master things and to get a lot of things, you need to manipulate. But you actually don't. You need to work with a lot of the shit that's around you. So manipulate is a word that I always found interesting because it gets a bad rap. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, me too. To shape with the hands. Yeah, to yeah, manipulate. yeah, yeah. Well, if you work with something, you are manipulating it. Mm-hmm. If you work with people, you're it's a mutual manipulation. Yes. You are using each other to your mutual benefit. Yeah. And a happy result should be friendship and profit and and satisfaction and love and those are all positive results of that human interaction that some people call manipulation. Mm-hmm. If what you get is to seek advantage, do harm, all that sort of stuff, it's a negative side of that, but Manipulation in and of itself. So what? Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't mean that 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 what people want it to mean. Yeah. Oh, you're manipulating me. No shit, Sherlock. You yeah. have cake. I don't. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? We can be friends, right? How about sharing some of that cake? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you that you having less cake and me having more is actually good for both of us. I did sales for a while. Oh, God bless you. And it was like one of the hardest things because I'm like really good at talking to people. But Mm. I also like at the time was like, like getting into like psychedelics and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was like this whole like juxtaposition of like, I was just like, yeah, like, but we're selling good products too. So I was like, no, but like you need a roof. But like, trust me, like you don't want to buy this one. Like (laughs) it's too expensive. So I was like, almost like. But I was like, please, like, you have to do the appointment or I'm not going to make any money. Like, but, right, yeah. I, but please, like, so it was this whole thing of like. Have you ever, did they ever teach you uh, um, persuasive techniques? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, and I can like pull them off, right? Like I can get into that, like, yeah. hey, Miss Brown, how you doing today? All right. I since you and like just take Before over the conversation. Yes. In... For yes. And yes. Questions mm-hmm. like all of like, yeah, I got all that. everything. I was the person teaching those concepts. So it's like, but then at the same time, I'm going home and listening to Ram Dass. I'm listening to, you know, Joe Rogan talk with, you know, all these people about mm-hmm. ayahuasca and all this stuff. And I'm just <laughs> like, you know, 19, I'm like, none of this fucking makes sense. It's ah! like, I go to work and everybody's telling me, like, leads at all costs, like money, you know. Oh, you have this problem, money will solve it, leads will solve it. You get an office, become a manager, this will all be solved. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, my, and like, my true heart's like, no, like. Not it. Like, no, nope, not nope. it. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, so where did painting 
We just got off on so many tangents. Oh my god, yeah, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, Listen, two ADD people talking to each other. So much fun. What do you expect? Um, So painting. I started painting in in Virginia. How far did painting take you? Sorry to cut you off. Oh, it's fine. Um, It took me. I went to VCU. uh, I I formally studied uh, scene painting. Okay, which was kind of fun because then they taught me about acrylics, and it's like what. but at any rate, so I was painting locally and uh, I met, and of course, you know, the, the day job or the night job in this case, I was tending bar, I was going to school, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I met the man that I married. And what happened there was that painting became kind of a secondary thing to the development of a family. Because mm. we decided, you know, he was a computer programmer. Were you working as an artist? I was. Really? Off and on. Off and on. Were you a starving artist? Well, no. I was married to a guy who was coding back in the 80s. Oh, beast. We were fine. <laughs> <coughs> Wait, when did, you, when did you get together? Um, 86? How old were you? Oh, yeah, I'm lying. 80, you know, so we, we got married in... My, my oldest daughter was born in 84, so we were married in 82. Mm-hmm. So, what was the question? What did you say? How old were you? <laughs> how, oh, how 67. No, no. How old were you when you married? Um... Oh, geez, you want all this math. Um, <laughs> what is this? Uh, no, I was born in 56. Sorry. Yeah, Why good... do people your age, like, mark shit by year? Because we don't remember crap. Yeah, it was uh, 67. Like, how is that easier to remember than oh, how old you were? Like, Totally, because... I was just take... like, yeah, I was like... 14 or 15 like well, some people that's fine and good for you you can do that but i take 19 i couldn't tell you what year it was <laughs> dude wait till you're old shit starts to fall together it's like wait when was that was reagan president holy crap no that was the you know this is where we're, we're, we're yeah it's like Context everybody's uncles like talking about 86 it's like what do you mean what do you like oh it's okay i want to be alive how do you know that years. was the year like yeah, I want to be alive in twenty years when you start to do that because it's gonna. Like, happen. what was so? I don't know. Really, like, I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, back in sixteen. For real, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, you think so? <laughs> that's all right, hon. I'll be there. Right, I- I'm gonna fine. be an old fart in the corner somewhere. Like, ha! Told you. All right, whatever. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, you know what? I think. Backwards. But you know what? This is important. This is an important thing too, because again, because you're younger and you have not had forty years of lived experience that you have catalog in mm-hmm. some way, right? The last time, so forty years ago, I was twenty-seven. Okay, okay. and I, I have had all this shit happen. How the hell do you organize that? It's it's like taking, you know, it's like taking your degree again and going, what did they say in, was it finance class or was I taking geometry? No, I never took geometry. But so so in order to organize all that stuff, you develop systems. And as mm. you talk about mastery, yeah. you begin to develop systems. Um, there's system one and system two thinking. I don't know if you're familiar with, with this sort not. of stuff. Again. I'll send you some stuff. It's cool. pretty cool. Uh, system system one thinking is the stuff you do automatically. System two thinking is the stuff you analyze. Okay. So if, let's say, I was in EMT for like 15 years, mm-hmm. okay? There were some things 
that when I came out of, of EMT school, which was a hoot, um, I had to think of everything I did because there were skills I had enough, hadn't had enough practice in. Mm-hmm. By the time I was five years in, I had done them so many times that they were automatic. So that system one thinking is just stuff that's been installed in you. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the default system now. Yeah. I just I just it, it and I know the implications of my actions. I know it, it's there in a blink. Mm-hmm. But when you encounter something new, you have to go through that system two thing where it's like, okay, why do I do this here? And, oh right, they said if I do that, it'll explode. And you know what? You have to go through it and slowly. It integrates. It becomes a part of you. Mm-hmm. It's crazy and yeah. wonderful. That's interesting. So you're saying <laughs> that your system two thinking of years of oh, it was in sixty seven or was in seventy two. Yeah, that... it's just a system now that has developed into an automatic way of yes, thinking for you. Exactly. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. I get that. So, yeah, I'm sure then in 50 years that will be the system that's the only way that I can organize or it might the be, shit that yeah. happened in my life. But I, I know I kind of... That's so funny, though. You haven't had this problem yet. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, that's where so. flow, and that's where flow comes from as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess when you're trying to re- like s- recall back on mm-hmm. like someone says, when was that? And then it's like flipping through like... <laughs> like the Rolodex of memory. Exactly right. And it's like, oh, oh shit, I guess you kind of do have to have a way of organizing that. And by year is probably the easiest is, way, is like in your head. So. The com- the, it's the, the, also the common denominator. It's like, where were you when the Twin Towers fell? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I know where yeah. I was when Kennedy was shot. Yeah, because it was like the same date for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So you find anchor points in common in your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, that's funny. Now I understand old people a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 in the, we're in the filing cabinet and we're going, hang on, Sonny. It's going to take a while for yep. me to find this one. <laughs> oh. oh, that was cute. What was I looking for? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure that you have to have a lot of systems to do what you're doing at this point. Um, so painting and tangents and all this stuff and... Uh, <laughs> We're gonna just gonna fast forward to what you're doing today, okay? Because we're gonna talk for twenty hours if we don't. Oh my god, it's the truth. Um, so <coughs> you are the head of the Motions Center for for independent living. for independent living. Um, what exactly is the Motions Center for independent living? So, and I'm gonna go do a date thing. I am cool. <laughs> back in back in 1970 i think it was 70 71 uh the um uh there was the disability rights movement grew out of the civil rights movement and okay. back in 71 um a bunch of folks occupied um a uh, <clears throat> a uh, an administrative building in berkeley uh for a bunch of things to happen that uh, would sustain them, that would make their rights, <clears throat> excuse me, their their right to a place in the community. Okay. <clears throat> excuse me. Do you want some water? No, I'm good. Okay. <clears throat> so in in the early seventies, right. those those protests and those um, 
movements culminated in something called the Rehabilitation Act uh, in 1976. Okay. Uh, that act was amended in 78 to establish what were called Centers for Independent Living. Okay. So that people with disabilities would have a common place okay. to come for information, uh, advocacy, uh, to do peer support, okay. to learn independent living skills. That's that's the hub. I assume this is all the same time when like handicap accessible stuff was coming into play, or was that much? Wasn't later? this is what co- this gave, was, rise, gave to that. rise to that? Right. So this Sweet. is seventy eight. Okay. The the uh, ADA so seventy eight. Yeah. So, and I'm trying to think of the date now. I think the uh, ADA was was 20 years later. Mm -hmm. The ADA didn't happen until the the mid 90s. So, the seed was the center. It was rehabilitation centers for independent living came to be. Cool. The one that I work at now is has been in place since 1989. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we're supposed to work primarily with adults. Honestly, we work with kids too because. Why not? We work with families, friends, allies in the community, educators, whomever that needs direction about disability services, helps folks with learning how to live an independent life, uh, helps them to in, uh, advocate for integration in the community. And uh, it's any disability of any kind at any time in life, which is rare. Mm hmm. Because a lot of disability services silo. It's like, this is for blind people. This is for people with MS. And this is for people who are under the age of 21 who have a dis, uh, a developmental disability. And mm-hmm. this is for over 21. We we don't care. Hmm. Damn. So you're really taking on the full spectrum here. Yeah. And uh, when I came to this agency, it was six people. They were getting a uh, a stipend from... A stipend, not really a stipend. It's a it's a, a grant mm-hmm. uh, mandated by that legislation, by the Rehabilitation Act. There's a certain amount of money that comes to us that keeps the doors open, the lights on, and doesn't do much else. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough of it. Mm-hmm. I keep saying we're supposed to we're supposed to take care of everyone everywhere, no matter what they need, and they give us enough money to run a Girl Scout troop. Uh-huh. Cool. This is where you come in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. Uh, I have to give credit for there was a person there. I have no background in in nonprofit. Okay. Zero. Uh, I did work for nonprofits, but I did not run one so before when did you start at motions what year so this was 2017 cool let's see it's another year yeah uh, no, it's just gonna be that's what it is now yep um and then <laughs> <laughs> time is not natural it's fine yeah weird yeah um so what were you doing right before motions i was running a, a small social media company i had been working for um a another nonprofit, and i yeah. got rift Okay. Um, and then reduction so, in fort. Got it. So Little I moved on to thing. start doing social media marketing. Cool. Uh, and then I was hiring people to to produce content. Okay. And it turned out that the people who were like the best uh-huh. were people with disabilities. Uh huh. They had education. They wanted to be engaged. They couldn't make a lot of money because they would lose their benefits. Uh-huh. I didn't have a lot of money to pay them, and they were thrilled. 
for uh-huh. the most part, you know, uh, like any business, there were some were great, some were not so great, but on the whole, it was a terrific investment. And one of them was on the board at Motions and was pestering me and going, come on, come on, you have to join the board, you have to join the board. That's right. like, I said, no, 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 I have a business to run, leave me alone. Uh-huh. Uh, for about 18 months, she did that. And then I said, okay, fine, fine, it, sure. So I was inducted into the board. That's so funny. And then a week later, the executive director quit. Uh Like, Ah. boom. Uh, And uh, there's a thing called a a succession plan. Yeah. That there was a succession plan. Mm -hmm. And the executive director quit. And the succession plan failed immediately. (laughs) Right there. Next thing I know, the... uh, the board chair is on the phone with me going, hey, are you ready for your next adventure? Yeah. And I said, no. <laughs> I don't know anything about this stuff. I don't. I certainly don't know the finance part of it. Come on. Don't, yeah. don't even think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he convinced me that there was a CFO or uh, somebody who was going to be taking care of that. And I would do this temporarily. Six years later, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. Crushing the CFO it. is gone. Yeah. I'm here. Hell yeah. 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 So this is it for you. This is probably the. Uh, oh, the, I am on a the final a, calling mission. Right. I here. am on a two-year exit plan. A three. I'm two and a half years into a three-year exit plan. So you know, <laughs> seventy is about about. I don't want to work this hard at seventy. No. Um, I have another gig. I'm. I do. I teach EMTs. Actually, oh, okay. I develop curriculum for that. Jesus, um, so much. <laughs> I'm an ADD person. I do twenty things at once. Yeah. Which is funny. Over how many years, how many things you can end up doing? It's gonna be so oh. fun. Have you um, have you ever sat down? You're you're a person with ADD. I have guess. you ever sat down and made a list of all the stuff you've done? Um, <laughs> no. It's no. a riot. But like now that you're thinking about it, like <laughs> I would though, like when I was just like angry all uh-huh. the time. And, like, couldn't believe people were, like, falling for college. And, like, Mm. not that I think that, like, too much anymore. And, like, couldn't believe, like, I was just so pissed and, like, Mm. wanted to do my own thing. I'd be like, I did this and this and this and this. And and what did you do? Go to the bar or something like that? And I would just Uh. be so mad. But I used to kind of think, like, but I haven't thought about it in a while. Mm. And it's been a lot more stuff. Yeah. But that's funny. And then I'm only 24, so I can imagine how much stuff you've done. So here's the thing. People look at me sometimes and I say all the things that I've done. They go, wow, that's amazing. And it's like in my head, I'm going, no, hon, I just couldn't hold the job for very long. That's how I felt. I was like, no, like I just like failed a bunch of times. Like, it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> and when you start to tell the stories in big, in big, expansive ways, it's like, I spent 15 years as an EMT. People think that's the only thing I was doing, so I must be, you know, 112 years old. And it's like, no, I was doing that, and I was learning uh, about time. social media, and yeah. I was, because I can't do... One thing. One thing. I yeah. can't. Yep. And it's, it's, it's come to the point now where I know how to work with that. I know that I have to do 20 small things in a day. If there's something that has to be done, I work my way up to it, and then you can't break my focus. Yeah, I think that's like a huge problem with mm-hmm. like what happens now, like putting people into molds of what they should do. But it's like, what's wrong with doing twenty small things in a day if that's what gets you through it? And like by the end of like life, is that like are we all gonna complete the same amount of tasks if you did like one thing for a couple of years? 
and then another thing for a couple of years, yeah. and then another thing, and if I did, like, ten things for five years, and then ten things for another five years, then, like... Yeah, ultimately, <laughs> and, and that, that kind of bean counting, yeah. it's like, do you get to the same... It's a sort of industrialized model of thinking. It's like, what was your productivity like? Well, I tend to, to work in circles. Yeah. I walk around my house. I literally have things scattered around my house. Yeah. And as long as I am disciplined in that I continue to move... They all get done. So I'm sure that that's that's the only. I'm sure that you're have. the perfect uh, person for this job then for motions because <laughs> tell me what you do on a day to day basis because like how many different types of people do you have to deal with probably. Well, so at my level, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do direct services. Mm-hmm. This was a tough lesson for me, mm-hmm. um, but I learned it long ago. If if you're going to manage. That is a completely different job. And if you keep dipping back mm. into to direct services, you lose perspective on, on the things that really need your attention. That's why you're the manager. Got it. So what do you do day to day as the manager? So a lot of things, uh, but I mean there's a there's a lot of things. I might yeah. my working day starts at six. Yeah. Uh, I'm at my desk by six AM. That's crazy. Often I'm like at the gym. Well, I'm also old, so you know, time shift happens. Yeah. Um, I don't need as much sleep and I go to bed early and wake up early. Okay. Um, but at 6am I try to do like a, an overview of the projects that I need to get done. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, I actually, for a long while, I, I went back to it recently. I make a, a project inventory. It's like four pages long once a month just to be sure that I have yeah. everything done and really every day is different but the things that are most consistent is that uh my admin calls me at 8 30 mm-hmm. we go over the things that are in her head that that we need to go over she she handles my calendar because time is not my friend mm-hmm. um and i am more likely to screw up a calendar than i am to keep it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it seems like at that level you need somebody for you yeah absolutely um and then really it's a matter of I, I talk to all my department heads um, often on, if not on a daily basis, then every two days or so tops. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have several projects and each department has its own projects that I'm working on. Or what kind I'm, of projects are you working on right now? So there's one called Neighbor Aid where we're going out to teach people who are already in a community organization how to make easy referrals mm-hmm. like you know if hey if you know somebody in your community is like short on rent give them the number for this resource before they're getting kicked out oh. you know stuff like that uh, and hey listen does your community need more information around this you do the training we'll back you up mm-hmm. and so we're teaching that um we're doing an outreach to legislators right now uh, we did a whole thing on um, COVID vaccinations that's now turned into a more of a public health thing yep. with with uh, flu remember. vaccinations, all that sort of stuff. Remember. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else? Uh, education and advocacy is doing that. And uh, the and oh, uh, youth transition. I'm looking at uh, apprenticeships and the bridge oh, between. Yeah. This is a cool thing. Uh-huh. Talk about youth transition a little bit. So youth transition is is. I'm going to go back a little bit. Okay. One of the problems that, that nonprofits have very often uh, is that if you get a project started mm-hmm. and the funding goes away, the project goes away. Mm-hmm. So my feeling is, first of all, if people are going to be integrated into the community, 
and uh, you know go for competitive employment and have the life they want to have has to start when they're young adults. Yeah. Uh, and so rather than just doing one project, what I wanted to do is one, two, three projects and grow something that would be supportive in a bunch of different ways. Mm. Uh, right now, what we're doing... Oh, just so it's not like all your eggs in one basket type of thing. Well, right now, yeah. so so whatever eggs you've got in that basket yeah. are taken care of. Yeah, you know, uh -huh. uh, you learn how to advocate for yourself. One of the things I really want to to get more about. But the point is that um, uh, youth transition is uh, right now. We're doing pre-employment training. Yeah, and uh, we've been fortunate enough over the last several years to have uh, funding from the Department of Labor to give kids paid internships. These are kids, not kids with profound disabilities, but kids who tend to fall through the cracks because they have nominal disabilities. It's a nominal disability. Uh, well, like ADD is not a, you know, it's not somebody who's in a wheelchair with multiple disabilities and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, rather, it's someone who looks like they are you know, lazy or, or whatever, whatever, they just need a little bit of support. They need somebody to go, Hey, listen, you're going to be great in the workplace. We're going to teach you what a paycheck is, how to be on time. You know, what those silly things called taxes are and why that piece of paper is attached to your paycheck, mm -hmm. you know, how to, uh, how to interact with people, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then what we want to be able to do is say, now, now that you learned all this, here's a place to, have a job mm -hmm. for the first time. No pressure. It's six weeks. You're going to get out of this, whatever you're going to get out of it. But you have your feet wet. Mm -hmm. So that internship piece has been really crucial for people with nominal disabilities who don't need a job coach. What else? What kind of other disabilities are nominal disabilities? Uh, there are people with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, mental health issues are a perfect example. It's like, yeah, what, you look... what other like kind of is there anything else besides mental health issues? I mean, there's lots. I mean, there's no end to human disability. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But you like, know, like just because I am not thinking of them, I don't live in that world. So, oh, okay, yeah. Um, well, how do I, how do I, how do I put this? Um, there are people who have some physical limitations. There are mm -hmm. people who have perceptual limitations. Mm -hmm. People who have like uh, being blind, who like being blind or deaf or or whatever, whatever. Okay. There are people who have cognitive. Uh, disabilities, so intellectual impairments okay, okay. and that sort of thing, yep. and then people who have mental health challenges. Yep. So if you take anyone in those categories who could, you know, get on a bus by themselves, mm -hmm. or um, it's it's not a matter of type so much as it's a matter of degree. Yeah. So someone who has... I do know a couple blind skaters. Uh okay. Shout out to ASF Vision, Anthony. Um, and I know a young man who has low vision who went to culinary school. His friend has, I believe, I don't know if he's fully blind. He's probably mm -hmm. legally fully blind, mm -hmm. but he can study sees through a pinhole. Uh -huh. Both of them showed up to the Long Branch skate park oh. by themselves. They said they took an Uber yeah. to the skate park from Belmar. It's Is like 20 miles, or not 20 miles, it's like 10 miles, you know, but still, oh. it's it's a good distance it's and it's like... It's funny, you know, but those guys are probably exactly what you're talking about. You yeah, know, they could absolutely. they have the ability to get in an Uber and get around, but those are definitely full on disabilities and absolutely they and need help doing they stuff. They can they they need they need some sort of an accommodation, but competitive employment, totally. Mm -hmm. With the right accommodations in place, you know, this guy could be an accountant and that guy could be a I don't know, a sculptor or whatever, whatever. The absolutely. point is 
that with the right accommodations, uh, one of the problems that, that we have as a society is that we see accommodation as an inconvenience or something that's being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Right. So when some folks go, well, you know, how many accommodations it's uh, how many accommodations do we need to make? And to me, it's like being a parent. You know, you have that little it's kid. Like, well, you, say, you need to make all of them. Right. <laughs> how many times do I need to tell you yeah. not to do that? And the answer is as many as it takes. Yeah. As many as it takes. Yeah. Because it is interesting, like, as much as it is, like, you know, the most minor inconvenience for you to think of these things, you know, and install, like, wheelchair ramps and, you know, accessibility and then provide accommodations for people with nominal disabilities and stuff like that. Yeah. The value that those people bring, like what you were saying from the social media company, is sometimes, like, what? It, it, it should be, like, and, and, yeah. and, well, here's more integrated. The thing. We have this really wild, um, and, and I, I honestly think it has a, a, a dirty origin, but we have this really wild notion that people with disabilities are in some way broken and less valuable. Mm -hmm. And the reality is they're not broken and their value can't be measured in, in how many dollars you put out to make sure that there's a, a curb cut. Last time we spoke, you brought up such a cool point that I didn't know as a young person. And it was about language and mm. specifically the words. Like, I know everybody gets all offended about the word retard. Oh, yeah, that is a big no. Huge no. But I didn't know that idiot and moron yep. were also medical terms that were used to isolate people with mental disabilities nominal disabilities, outcast people, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, create that separation that we now feel. Yeah, it's, it's, it's woven into... Those words uh, were used and still are used to categorize people. In a, eugenics is where a lot of this stuff comes from, you know. Uh, uh, what is it? Um, Feeble-minded. One, one of my favorite words because... What does that mean? It means it means you have a weak mind. And so as a person without a nominal disability, uh -huh. it's easy to call someone an idiot. Right? Yeah. When not like oh being mean like you're some bully, mm -hmm. but when just like you're on it and you're f like you are in and a couple people that you know, right? Understand the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then the person that does it seems like they don't understand anything. Right in that moment, so it's easy as a young like right. I'm talking about like high school, middle school, sure. like kids and stuff. But these words, oh, he's an idiot and stuff, have mm -hmm. become so commonplace yep. and so easy to use. But it's it's like they they hit like they still hit. You oh, know sure. what I mean? Well, they're meant to be insulting. Yeah, you know, a person who has. But it's funny when you learn where they're from. It's like what that's why they hit. Uh -huh. Like you know. Absolutely. You know, but, you don't call your friend an idiot. You you call your friend. I mean, friend, I do. Well, okay, maybe. <laughs> I don't know about your friends. My um, mom used to, my mom, sweetest lady, you'll find this so funny. Which is why, like, this is so fucked. Yeah. She'd be, like, the sweetest lady in the world. She helped so many people. But she grew up in suburban white cloths in Michigan mm. with a crazy mother. Oh. And she was like, 
oh like retard was just the word to throw around right and whatever she would be like call me a retard like Uh, oh don't be a retard like oh it's okay like oh i'm like okay mom i won't be a retard like terrible (laughs) terrible but and it's like i grow up and it's like oh my god like you learn what these things are actually and like you know what i mean it's just see this is where like the 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 whole business about political correctness and wokeness and all this sort of stuff it's like i'm gonna tie this right back with our mastery yeah uh discussion because because here's the thing in the 50s when i was a little kid right in the 60s all those words and and words about race Mm-hmm. uh were were commonly used yeah right and as we come to to achieve uh as a society we come to achieve a certain level of mastery in terms of our our willingness to accept people as they are mm-hmm. those words are no longer acceptable yeah so as as we rise it's not that we're you know woke or t- the the politically correct police are coming you know i i understand that this is irritating to people me too but that's why it's necessary to talk about. Yeah, the fact that we are now understanding that. Hey, listen, the guy in the wheelchair, uh, he's he's not. Uh, uh, the, the R word does not apply to him. No. He's a human being. Yeah, and he has a lot to contribute. And if you let him contribute it, if you open your eyes, shut your mouth, and pay attention to wh- to who he is and mm-hmm. what he has to offer. Yeah, and it just becomes again. the more you master yourself, and the more oh. you bring that like i don't know you know love life you know just oneness of everything and start to really like connect and understand like put all of like the political correctness of like the r word and more on an idiot (laughs) side it's just unacceptable to call someone that if you're going to master yourself for any reason whether it is oh it was a medical term or it's just straight hurtful yeah it doesn't matter it's like just unacceptable of to isolate someone with a word in that way at all, if you want to master yourself. Yeah, and and if you come to the to the realization that I get pissed at people. Yeah. I I I want to feel superior to people. Yeah. I I I want to to stop people from doing things that I don't want them to do. Whether it's my friends are gonna hear this and right? be like, "You've said the craziest <laughs> shit." <laughs> Trying oh. not to <laughs> any longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the challenge there is, you know, here's that system two thinking. You're gonna have to think about it a lot, and then everyone's one day it'll just it'll just flow out of your mouth, and you'll realize, oh, when I was a little girl, mm-hmm. this is awful. When I was a little girl, you know, little children's rhyme, eeny meeny miny mo. It wasn't the tiger. No. Oh, right. Oh, and I damn. thought there was. I thought it was nothing. No it, shit. No, 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 I was taught. I mean, like knee high. No nothing. way. And all my friends said the same thing until no one day shit. my mother said, "That's not a polite word." Now I'm old enough to remember. Not a polite that. word. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and I believe she explained to me what it meant, wow. but it didn't. It didn't dawn on me that there were people who were being beaten and murdered, and that that word put them in harm's way and made them less didn't even dawn on me yeah no I, yeah so yeah we, we we evolve yeah and learn the lesson the hard way yeah i wouldn't think of saying it I, I, I think i've said it once just to get somebody's goat for a bunch of reasons but i i haven't said it in years and wouldn't yeah shout out alder wilson for making me a better person yeah
<laughs> he's one of my skater friends. The first one to like really be like, hey, you can't say uh, retard. <laughs> ah, good. And uh, I was like, uh, I think you're just soft. And like then over like him, I would see, I would, I would like say it and I would see Alder. And then I would know like, it wasn't okay. And then I'd be okay. like, damn it. I let down Alder. Because he's just like the best guy. And uh, he was like, now I think of it. And in my head, the change is being made too mm -hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. So it's like, ah, like, you know, whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Just, we're trying to swap words here. We're trying to make things better. <laughs> yep. But, cool. I think you got to go, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, when right? You're having fun. Juth Brown, head of Motion Center for Independent Living. Yeah. This has been the first recording of for our eyes only. And uh I keep forgetting the cameras there. Hi. <laughs> and uh hopefully it all actually Got recorded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, all the little green lines are going up and down, so I suppose. <laughs>